Welcome to An Informed Life Radio at 11.50 a.m. KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. Um, and we've got a great lineup for you today on this, what is it, November the 5th, 2021 already. Um, so I, I want to welcome to the show Javier Figueroa, who is my sidekick and, and co-host, my PhD friend. So, you know, I'm your I'm your amateur researcher, mom, public policy uh, analyst, writer, and he he has the street creds, though, and the professional creds um, to go with it, and I just so enjoy having his insight and voice on the show. Say hey, Javier. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. <laughs> hey, you stole that from Dell. <laughs> <laughs> you know we can say that because this is recorded goes to podcast and you know it's it's wonderful uh the way people can access information as long as they know how to directly seek it because of um censorship it might be difficult to find but we have no shortage of good information out there so um i'm just going to take a few minutes at the top of this hour i'm going to bring on the lovely guest nicole um say hey nicole Hello, hello. So, yeah, so I have brought Nicole on in the past, but I wanted her to have a, this bigger audience that we have um, a little bit here now or quite a bit with CHD now bringing this to their webpage. Um, you are uh, representing the USA version of the printed newspaper Druthers, Druthers USA. And it's so important in this age of censorship when electronic media can be hidden so easily and when the printed word or the, the electronic word can just simply disappear or be altered and edited, which is really terrifying to think of what can be done. There's nothing like good old fashion print to spread the word. Um, so tell us about Druthers USA. Well, Druthers USA was started by Sean Jason in Canada, and they've done over 3 million copies in a year. And it's completely crowdfunded. We are running um, some just a very short run of ads to supplement donations because in the US, we um, are crowdfunded and we want to bring as many copies as we can. Mm -hmm. And it started in Washington with me and Anna Kane, um, seeing Sean, who I've known for a while, saying, Sean, we need this in America. So mm -hmm. we've been doing this. It launched in August and we've been able to bring this month will be 220,000 copies combined since August. Nice. And so um, it is a paper by the people for the people. Mm -hmm. And it's to get out of the echo chamber. Like you said, a lot of things can be censored. And um, this show's important. What you do is important. A lot of the videos um, are important, but the, um, but the printed paper is able to get into hands of people that normally uh, may not look at the videos and have the information that we know. Yes, exactly. And so I'm showing to our viewing audience um, the website. It's druthersusa.com. Mm -hmm. And check it out. 
You can read um, back issues online so you can see the excellent articles that are out there and some of the, the wonderful authors that are writing. There's, there's doctors, there's scientists, there's activists. There are uh, people who've lost their jobs. I remember one particular article um, about some of the policemen up in Canada that was just fantastic. So there's still going to be in the USA version um, information about our neighbors up north about uh, Canada. But you know what happens in Canada is coming to the US. What's happening in Australia is coming to the US. And it's really important for us, you know, um, I, I believe in, in you know, thinking globally, acting locally. I'm not a proponent in my um, old age here of uh, a one world situation. I just don't think that works and that's what they're trying to push for. Mm -hmm. However, I believe in honoring and respecting and, and helping each other in this world um, and paying attention to what's going on. Um, We've got a lot of wake up lessons that are happening here, Nicole. So how can people get this paper? What are the different ways that they can get the paper? Okay, good question. Um, this month it's on the mandate. So it's on the people losing their jobs and the mandates. Next month it's going to be on um, leave our children alone, leave our kids alone. Good. So the way that they can do that is two ways. One, um, if you're in Washington in the greater Seattle area or anywhere, donate. Mm -hmm. um, you could go to the donate button on druthersusa.com and donate. What that does is it allows us to print. But another way that you could help is subscribe. And you could subscribe. You could give it as a gift. You could get three copies for $7.95 or you could get 400 copies or anywhere there in between. So 400 copies are like 63 something. Um, and you could distribute in your area. So, okay. or you could do both. So, you know, if $10 a month is a hundred papers, $25 a month is 250 papers. So if you donated a portion and then got some copies to distribute, you can make a difference in your community mm -hmm. one paper at a time. And we're going to um, help. I think this is a way to really change America. If we could get this going and um, get into millions of hands, that's my, my intention is yeah. to get it everywhere. But Washington is ground zero and Washington's ground zero for the tyranny as well. One of ground zero. One of the ground zeros. Yeah, I guess they're they're fighting their way to, to last place as far as freedom goes between Washington, Oregon, yeah. California, New York. I don't know, there's some bad places, but I agree. Um, having, um, it's so odd after um, a lifetime of living in Washington State to now be a former Washington State resident. I tell you, um, being here in Tennessee is so different. Mm -hmm. And I, Javi and I are look forward to future episodes of an Informed Life Radio where we're going to talk about the differences in what we're seeing. And, it, you know, hopefully it will give everybody in Washington hope of what of what can be, but we've been in, you know, here uh, a little over a week in our new home, and you can tell I have not found anybody to cut my hair yet. I have not emptied the boxes, but you know what I've done? I've registered to vote, and I've already been to my first medical freedom informed consent meeting of our local county, mm -hmm. and I've already joined some leadership teams, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm I'm so excited to be here. Uh, but also to be um, very active in ensuring that everybody 
gets the information they need and to fight the fight wherever they are. There's work to be done here. A lot of work to be done in Washington. So um, anything else that you want to tell us about Druthers? I would just say that when you get a copy, you're going to see the power of this. Instead of sending your relatives 4,000 videos or your friends or family that you want to get some good information to, you could send it. And we are having local, some local people like um, Vincent Cavallari. He wrote an article in here for this month. It was good. published. Okay. And Pete Serrano's um, doing a lot of lawsuits in the state of Washington. So we're hoping that that goes forward. But there are um, some American um, articles and I'm pushing for that. Um, Sean Jason has ultimate, edit he's the editor, but um, yeah. just go to druthersusa.com. And um, if you want to see back issues, they're actually still on Canada's site at druthers.net. I don't want people to go to druthers.net except to look at back issues. We're combining right. the websites in the future. So okay, that will good. be done. But okay. um, just know we're a work in progress, but act now. You can, you can make a difference by going to druthersusa.com and donating and subscribing. That's wonderful. And I do want to say that, you know, some of the numbers you gave out there, I want people to understand that this is volunteer distributed. You guys have got costs down to printing these things in bulk at just 10 cents a piece. Mm -hmm. So like if you subscribe, it seems kind of high because you're paying for mailing. The paper mm -hmm. is 10 cents, but the, the mailing to get it to you. But if you subscribe, it's fantastic. And I love the idea of subscribing and then and like buying bulk amount, mm -hmm. distributing them in your neighborhood, leaving them around. And, and after you're done with it, don't recycle it. Leave it on a park bench, mm -hmm. leave it on the bus, leave it somewhere keep passing it forward and getting this good information out there it it's so important so Nicole yes. I know that this is a lot of hard work for you you've been working tirelessly and you've got a great team with you now mm -hmm. and Informed Trust Washington is mm -hmm. doing what they can we're, we're supporting you know bringing in some bulk of the paper so Informed Trust Washington is very glad to be supporting your efforts I love um, your efforts as well I just <laughs> adore you and um, and I love your team as well and I'm meeting them and so I'm very blessed to have you in my life and uh, um, partner up with a lot of great, great organizations like yours as well. Yeah. Thank you. Right back at you, my dear. Yes. Okay. We're, we're going to go ahead and let you go. So you can okay. keep working on getting that paper out there Absolutely. and we're going to move on to our next guest. Um, you know, and did I mention children's health defense yet? I think I did, but our, our, one hour of our show every week is generously funded by Children's Health Defense. We just um, are so grateful for them. We partner with them on a lot of things. They do so much, it's impossible to keep up. If you um, are not reading um, their online magazine, The Defender, every day, you are so missing out on so much fantastic information. So welcome, Karen. Do I how do you pronounce your last name? Magana? McDonough. Okay, awesome. Um, so welcome to the show. And tell us, I really don't know much about you, except for that Laura Bono of Children's Self-Defense recommended you come on the show when I asked for somebody to come update us on what's going on. And she said, you're, you're the gal. Well, thank you. It's so nice to be here. And it's so nice to meet you, Bernadette. I have been with Children's Health Defense um, just over a year and a half, um, or almost a year and a half. And I um, set up the chapters for the organization. Um, nice. I knew Laura Bono and many of the other staff uh, many years ago when we worked at 
together with the National Autism Association. So I've been very involved in the autism movement and vaccine uh, awareness, risks, et cetera, mm -hmm. for quite some time now. Um, but that's what I do for Children's Health Defense. I set up all of the chapters and um, I'm working closely with our advocacy team as well. So what states now do we, uh, does CHD have chapters in? Okay, well, we have chapters in Hawaii, California, Oregon, Arizona, Nebraska, Illinois, Ohio, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Florida, New York, and, and then we have some international chapters as well. So those are Europe, Canada, Australia, Africa, and yeah, that's it. That is fantastic. Now, I, I forgive me, I don't remember who I was interviewing, but one of the wonderful people at CHD who helps with the translation because um, the Defender is in several languages now. That's right. That's yeah. Carrie Bundy. Um, Carrie, that's right. They do a great job. Yeah, the Defender, which is it, which is our daily newsletter, it comes out five days a week. As you mentioned, it is a fantastic source of information. Mm -hmm. It is now available, not just English, but Spanish, French, German, Italian, and Portuguese. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Just, it, so. it's amazing how they've built this team of just amazing, passionate people. This, this isn't just a job for people. This is, this is a passion well, when they that's come That's exactly board. right. And, and we really do have a great team. I got to say um, many, you know, many have had vaccine injured children. And um, so it is, it is a, it is a passion. It is um, the hill to die on for all of us, I think. So mm -hmm. uh, it's, it doesn't feel like work most of the time. Yeah. And, you, and, you know, sometimes people, you know, they will say, you know, they see all that a lot of us do in the movement, you know, it's seven days a week, you know, you live and right. breathe it. Unless they take a break, you deserve a break. It's like, you might as well tell me to stop breathing. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? You know, okay. um, right. my idea is a break is maybe stopping at eight or nine at night and maybe vegging out on some sitcom or something, but it's just this <laughs> temporary little got to get my mind away for a little bit. Right. Um, or, you know, it's really sad. And Karen, I bet you understand this. I don't know about Javier, you know, I mean, it's still a male female world in the household, but I tell you, sometimes I take a break by doing the dishes. Is that pathetic? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, no, it's it isn't. Not. It's, it's, it's the, uh, the comfort that you have in doing the mundane tasks. I think you kind of give your brain a rest and you're, you're not thinking about trying to save the world for a few minutes. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm, I'm, very blessed to be working for Children's Health Defense and um, can't imagine doing anything else right now. Yeah, yeah. And we're, they're just doing such great work. Uh, it's so very grateful to them. And I met the wonderful woman who's starting up the, um, the one in Oregon. Give me her oh, name. Catherine. 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 I interviewed her. She was a hoot. <laughs> she is fantastic. I, I mean, she is just the most interesting person I think I've ever met in my mm -hmm. life and, and so knowledgeable and so dedicated. Um, just, we are, we really have fantastic chapter leaders. So uh, Catherine is definitely up there um, doing a they, great job. They bring so much life experience to the position. Um, the people who head up the chapters. I think that's so amazing. Well, absolutely. You know, and Catherine probably told you her story. The first time she learned about vaccine injury was when uh, she was raising thoroughbred horses and um, she lost a horse due to a vaccine injury. The horse died from encephalopathy. 
Oh, wow. And um, that's when she first recognized vaccine injury. So um, yeah, it, it is life experience that, mm -hmm. that brings us all together and in, into this movement. Yeah, I think I told her the story about the time when we had two bills. It was several years ago, two bills in Washington. One was a tighter bill for children, and it was just an awareness bill. It was just saying that because the schools already accepted in lieu of a vaccine, a tighter, you know, from the doctor, you know, lab titer showing they had antibodies. They could do that in lieu of, and it existed already. Most parents didn't know they were getting boosters or, you know, the shots anyway. Um, so we just wanted parents to know. So it was a bill just to get the information out there to make the Department of Health tell people because the Department of Health does not like to tell people things that make them avoid a vaccine, even an unnecessary vaccine. <laughs> and we also had a pet titer bill. And this was to check antibodies in pets to see if they needed a booster or not, because so many pets are being injured by over-vaccination. Right. And we went to this one particular senator and we had, first we showed him the pet bill and his, he, his eyes were dancing and he's like, oh, my wife's just going to love this because she loves her little puppies. And she's really concerned about sometimes about the vaccines. And so, yeah, he was so interested. And then we slid the the one for children, human babies in front of them. It's almost, I mean, it wasn't even the, as strong of a bill because titer checking already exists in Washington state as a valid in lieu of vaccination. His eyes glazed over. Suddenly he was out of time, he's checking his watch and he couldn't, right? Yeah. This is the systemic saturation of messaging that has been, going on for years that nobody would even understood existed. It was just permeated in culture, vaccines, children, critical, oh, right? You could not do it. Co right. The gift of COVID of course has been that people are finally seeing, oh my gosh, Bernadette, when you say that they're captured, I get it. And the thing is, Karen, it's like, there's this subtle thing about how you have to to talk about um, people being captured because it's it is the system that is captured, not necessarily the good people working in the system. You're exactly right. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who just go along. They really believe in the system. And they think they're doing good. It's a conspiracy of evil disguised as a conspiracy of good. However, there's more and more people that are in this area of waking up and understanding what's driving it. Absolutely. And they're very conflicted and they're very afraid because they know if they join us, they put their reputation at risk, their job at risk, so much at risk, relationships at risk. Although that is changing as well because people are seeing there is something here. And then you've got the people at the top that, that are really controlling the, the corruption. And um, anyway, I don't know why I'm going off on this, um, this tangent here. So with Children's Health Defense, you helped set up these amazing chapters. Can you tell us some of the ongoing projects that are happening now, the action being taken? Sure, with the, ch with the chapters or with the organization on the whole? Well, let's do both. We've got, we've got time okay. to chat. <laughs> well, great. Well, the chapters, we just finished our 
our launch of our uh, worldwide walkout um, that happened on uh, Wednesday, uh, just two days ago, November 3rd. That was really something. We had um, all of our chapters and many other health freedom organizations across the globe join us and um, standing up to the tyranny and the mandates. And mm -hmm. um, it was a fantastic success. So what I have found, Bernadette, it's so interesting. Um, people are finding their tribe through these events. People need to be with like-minded people. So that's another point that I'd like to make that our chapters are, are kind of creating this sense of community. A lot of people are feeling very isolated uh, from their family and from their friends who who are still believing, yep. um, you know, in the system and um, in the mainstream narrative, and it, and it gets very lonely. So um, we had this event; it was very successful. We had over seventy locations, um, and our chapters are doing many things. I would say, um, for example, the Illinois chapter is having an educational event, a forum this weekend for, for children and adults, just sort of, um, you know, uh, well-being, you know, uh, just keeping well during these difficult times. Um, we when have, you say for, for children, that's yeah, really for interesting because usually children are not included. Sometimes they say children are welcome to come with parents, but they are going to have some content that is... They have a whole track for the kids. And wow, I would love to see that. Is that online where we can share a link for people to see sure, sure. the content? To, yeah, that's at il.childrenshealthdefense.org. Okay. So that Very event good. is this weekend. I, I know our Ohio chapter has a an event, a symposium on, um, I believe it's an online event with Dr. Peter McCullough on, oh, cardio, on cardiomyopathy in children. So that's another great event that they're putting on just to educate the public about, you know, you know, what does that mean if your child right. ends up, you know, with cardiomyopathy? Yeah. It's not a um, a benign condition. It can no. it can be very life altering and very serious. Yeah, so I'm gonna um I'm gonna interrupt you for just a second. Hold your thought of what state you're going to next. But there has been an alarming amount of. Um, public messaging out there in different situations saying things like um, strokes in children are not rare you have know, you seen that and I and 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 heart attacks in young people act do happen it's as if they're preparing people to be able to dismiss vaccine injury that's coming um, and they're, they're preparing you. I mean, the marketing that's going on, I, what we really need is some whistleblowers who work for these marketing entities that are being funded mostly by government because the, or maybe behind the scenes by the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical industry can't say certain things about their products, but they can certainly, and they do, and there's been published work about it, attempt to create either demand for a product before the product even exists by, by raising fear of something and then bringing on the product to match the fear, here's your answer. Or what's even more nefarious is laying the groundwork for people to think, oh, that has always existed. Children have, one out of five children have always been at risk of stroke and heart disease or something, you know. I fear that's where they're headed with the, the campaign. 
I think you're right. Uh, my my uh, chapter leader up in uh, Canada sent me a picture that was on a bus. And I think, yes, was, you know, that exact same concept of, yeah, children, children have strokes. It's not new. Um, but you're exactly right. I think that they are trying to normalize it. And mm -hmm. so when it, people start hearing about it, they'll, they won't really question it. They won't think it's, you yeah. know, and that's what they've done with the the childhood, the pediatric vaccine injury um, issue is they've normalized autism, they've normalized ADHD, normalized allergies, um, autoimmune disease. Oh yeah, sure. This many kids have always had it, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's it, it's not backed by the the data, the historic data at all. N none of this. Um, but that's what they do is, is that's how you get away with murder is you normalize things. So people, um, will believe it. So we really got to just shine a spotlight on that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we were talking about that today on, on one of our, our shows, uh, the Q and a show, um, it came mm -hmm. up. So yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. They're trying to, you know, sort of put it in the subconscious minds of, of, you know, people mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe this isn't so bad, but it is bad. It is bad. And real health is possible and human, human beings, normal state should be health. I mean, yeah. the, this chronic disease issue is, should not be <laughs> at exactly. all. Yeah. Yeah. Quick yeah, question I, for, for you, Karen, since the start of this uh, vaccine rollout, have you seen an increase or an interest in starting chapters for CHD? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yes, I get emails from all over the world every day, um, people interested in starting chapters. Um, and, and it's really interesting. It, I kind of get the same message each time people kind of, you know, were suspicious about vaccines or knew somebody who had a vaccine injured child. And so they were kind of, you know, on the fence about it. And then all of this happened. And it was like, they knew immediately they, they had to do something. So a lot of people feel that they want to be involved in some way. They're looking for something to do and not, they don't want to feel like they're just sitting back watching the world crumble. So right. it's kind of what I hear from, from most people that reach out. Well, it's, it's interesting because right now, like you said, uh, Bernadette, uh, COVID has been uh, a wake up call and, and a gift for people to take responsibility and get engaged again. Uh, and I think that probably in the next 10 years, we're going to see a substantial rollback, including uh, a reassessment of, of vaccine schedules because I think this is actually going to highlight some of the hidden dangers uh, that have been suppressed for so long. And that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Javier, I will tell you, I'm in contact with a group of um, professional athletes who are um, coming together to speak out. And um, one of them made the comment on the last Zoom call. Oh, my goodness. Think about this. Uh, you know, all of these children's vaccines, this was happening all along. So they sort of like you know, the light bulb, the proverbial light bulb went on, they understand now the big picture about wow. all of our concerns with, with the childhood vaccines. So there really truly has been an awakening. That gives me the chills to think, you know, moms and dads, but a lot of, a lot of moms been fighting for decades to just bring an awareness to the problem. Um, and I think we said this on the last show. Oh, yeah, Javier, you come, you were saying that, um, Oversight agencies can do it right. And you gave the example of the FAA. Um, and then, you know, I made the comment that the difference here is that 
when people die in a plane crash, it's so obvious the plane falls out of the sky and people die and it's visible. You can't deny it. It's there. It gets media coverage at all in one place. But when a child is injured or killed by a vaccine, it, it happens behind closed doors, very private. And the relationship between the, uh, the event of vaccination and the outcome death is denied. Well, and but, it's easy yeah. to hide right? It's yeah. been easy to hide. And that's why, well, well, we know they split up lot numbers of vaccines yep. in order. They've done that since what, you know, there's that famous memo um, from the vaccine industry when they, they were seeing clusters of hot spots of bad batches. That's when they decided they would from, from then on always split them up. So it wouldn't be so obvious. Yeah. Um, they, they've played dirty a long time and we couldn't get anybody to care or if they cared, they wouldn't care publicly because they were afraid. And wow, to think that people are um, beginning to really see what's going on and that changes need. You know, I have to always repeat, Informed Choice Washington and Bernadette, Javier, we don't want anybody to die of an infectious disease. We don't want to be die of a response to an infectious disease. You know, there has to be all the other ways of preventing infectious disease are not profitable, um, you know, and therefore they don't get they don't get the money push. Okay, so this is great conversation. So you were at, we went from Illinois and then you were gonna to move to another city and I interrupted you or another state where you're going. Oh, no, I think I just mentioned the Ohio event on the cardiomyopathy that yes. that's coming up. I believe that's on the 11th. Um, I'm gonna say, oh, Hawaii recently had a great event with uh, Dr. Robert Malone um, and he spoke to a group of children and answered their questions. Wow. So that will be at some point post, it was um, videotaped and at some point that will be available on our website. So nice. he, yeah, yeah. So and and tell people who Robert Malone is in case they don't know. Robert Malone is the inventor of the mRNA technology. Yeah. So. Yeah, Dr. and Robert. he has come out and said he's very, very concerned about these products and, and their safety. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He, has. he knows yeah. the science of what can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, and I hate and I hate to say this as a scientist, but uh, you know, people don't listen to scientists anymore. They do listen to their the the sports athletes, the figures. So the fact that you mentioned that you have athletes coming on board. And speaking out about it, I think it's going to have much more of a repercussion. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Bob Malone. Great, mm -hmm. great researcher, great, great person to come out and risk everything like this. But right. when you get the sports figures on your side, yeah. look out. It's yeah. happening. I, I think it's a matter of familiarity. You know, when you've been watching somebody play a sport on, you know, on the TV screen and you've been studying about them, you kind of feel like you know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's this, this kind of strange celebrity relationships where we, we do can't help it grow to kind of like and even trust people that we see a lot. Now, if Robert Malone had been doing something very visible to in front of children and mass audiences for a long time, he would probably have that too. But maybe that's what we need. We need a, a scientist league. That's what we need, where they go out there. <laughs> it would be hysterical. You know, I mean, I suppose that there's probably some really good athletes in our research community, but <laughs> you look pretty athletic there, Javier. You'd probably. Uh, that's yeah. a great idea. 
<laughs> some some way uh, or or maybe like Hollywood Squares in New England they have research scientists like a game show and you get to know <laughs> that's great that's great you know them yeah so that's that's wonderful so that was Hawaii um what else you got well I know that the New York chapter is going to be involved in an event coming up I believe on the 20th where they are connecting homeschool families with teachers that have lost their jobs for refusing to get vaccinated. Mm. So, you know, what a great, what a great initiative that's going to be, you know, mm -hmm. um, let's see, I'm trying to think, um, I know our Florida chapter is extremely active. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of educational events. Um, you know, I think we're all probably planning to do another walkout too pretty soon. The, uh, the 19th and the 20th is our next scheduled uh, weekend for walkouts. Um, our Arizona chapter just did a screening of the film 1986, The Act. Um, oh, I love that. Session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and if anybody um, listening or watching has not yet seen 1986, The Act, that's the name of the website you can go to to, to stream it online. It's a fantastic overview to give you the history of how we got right before COVID as far as public policy, because it shows with those very first vaccine products with the polio vaccine, um, when you have this marriage between um, government entities, public health and for-profit uh, drug companies collaborating together it was not necessarily making magic, um, you know, government doing anything, you know, it seems like once they head on a path and they create structure, the next step is to protect the structure, even if it's no longer needed or working, you know what I mean? And they quickly realized that anything critical about vaccines, whether true or not, there's some published language out there at the Federal Register that says something to that very notion of whether it's true or not, we can't let it out there or people won't, will lose faith in the vaccine program. So the protection of the program instead of the protection of the people began to happen. And then as the years pass, this film does show all along there's court cases and the website has some of the most important documents uploaded on the website you can read for sure. And by the time then, you know, it takes you it's a vehicle of a husband and wife telling the story there. She just finds out, you know, that she's pregnant and she begins to research. So it's told through that story of her doing the research and them discovering. So I, I feel it's so powerful and I'm glad that it's still getting viewings. It's been out, oh, um, a year or more. It's yeah. Time flies, but it's still so powerful to help you understand how did we get here? Yeah. How did this happen where government is not telling us the truth in their messaging and they're ignoring monumental safety um, issues, red flags such as we have never seen? How did we get here? Yep. That helps. It's a great film. It's a great film. Yeah. 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 So that is what you said that was Florida. Was um, that was that was Arizona. They just Arizona. had that event. Um, our California chapter is very large. Um, mm -hmm. They have a, a great program called County Ambassadors. So they, it's such a large state. So mm -hmm. they have representatives in, you know, throughout the state um, 
doing different events, working with their legislators, um, going to school board meetings. They've got um, several legal actions that they filed. I believe one of them is against the Los Angeles United uh, LAUSD, the school district. Yes, I had. Okay, I'm, it's that time of day where I go blank. The lovely, uh, Cal, tell me her name. She's going to kill me for not remembering her name. <laughs> so from the California chapter? Yes. Um, the president, Alex? Or yes, Alex Meyer. Hello. Yes. There we go. Yes. <laughs> she just start singing the Oscar Meyer song and it'll come to me. Okay. <laughs> Alex Meyer is so lovely. She's been on the show several times. Yeah, she, they do amazing work. I hadn't, um, maybe she mentioned and I forgot that is really cool about the the different areas um, that they've extended out. It it really, in the big states, it's difficult. One yeah. thing I like about Tennessee is a little bit smaller and it just feels like a little bit easier to be in contact with, you know, your neighbors and the community and your local county things. Places like Washington, especially in your bigger counties, you the the established governments are such large entities that are just like in concrete trying to get them to budge <laughs> right it's tough so yeah they got a tough road to hoe there in california great leadership though yeah yeah they do they're doing great things they're very very active um, mm -hmm. they've got a great volunteer program as well so they're kind of kind of setting the bar for all the rest of the chapters yeah so is there um, is the formula for the website. So if somebody's listening and they want to see if there's a, a, they don't remember what you said, there's a chapter. If they just put the, the state letters in front of, and then a dot and children's health defense, is that yes. how it goes? Yes. Okay. That's the, yeah, that's, those are the websites for all of the, the chapters. Okay. Um, let's see, uh, Virginia and Nebraska and Pennsylvania don't have their websites up yet because they're freshly minted chapters. They're very cool. new, so they haven't launched yet. Okay. So they won't be able to find them yet, but they're there and they're, they will be launching soon. Nice. Is there a page at the Children's Health Defense website where people can go to see all the chapters and maybe have yes. links? Is that there available? Is. There is. Yes. If you just go to the main page, there's that little three line hamburger on the left and you click on it and then there'll be a drop down and, and chapters will come up. And so okay, good. Chapters. Yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's how you get to the defender too, or one way to get to the defender. That's so one way to get, that. to get to the defender, right? It's so much information to organize there. And I love the, how they have it broken down in subjects that you can go, you know, look at the COVID specific or other it's topics. It's so great. And, you know, it makes me so happy that it's in so many different languages now. And now um, Carrie is pulling together a um, kind of a summary at the end of each week. So, so, uh, you know, uh, any in, in these in these different languages, so nice. um, it's it's really convenient. I'm mm -hmm. I'm in contact with a a few people in Latin America. We're working on a chapter there, so we've already got all of this great uh, material in Spanish. So wow, that it, that is so encouraging, isn't it, Javier? I had no idea that they had um, that many chapters had grown. I just thought they were a handful. That's fantastic. Um, I'm not surprised to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was about time. I think there was, uh, there's been such a, an, in, an increase in an awareness uh, in Latin America. You know, it's also been the, uh, the quiet epidemic that hasn't been talked about in, in South America for decades now. So uh, again, because of, because of the advent of the internet, because of the growth in information sharing, 
because of the growth in, uh, in, in education in Latin America, now people are becoming aware and connected. And yeah. again, Children's Self-Defense Fund is forward thinking, expanding its reach by including other languages. And there, there is a dearth of information in Latin America, and that's a great venue. And it, kudos, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it is very exciting. I got to ask you, Javier, you've got your shirt says, what does it say? What it, can you read it for our uh, radio audience? Or, or can you not say it because it's something bad if I say it out loud? <laughs> Almost. Never mind. Almost. But it's, it just says, uh, I, I went to Chile and that's it. You went yeah. to Chile. Okay. Yeah. That's all it says. All that's right. all it says. What are you wearing on the show here? <laughs> <laughs> Although I wouldn't have mind. Let's, you know, way to go, Brandon. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you hear the governor of, of Florida is now calling it the Brandon administration? <laughs> I'm sorry. Funny. You know, it is funny. And, you know, I'm, I'm really trying, it's hard to do because, you know, I, it's not that I was ever a Trump fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to get like political on here with the, the different people, although I do like to pick um, Inslee apart. But um, <laughs> when I, I really dislike disrespect of, of, you know, I, I want things to stay. It's serious. What's going on is very, very serious. And I, I think it, the, in the past few years, beginning even before Trump, but, you know, especially when it's in the absolute disrespect, shameful way people were talking about, it's just like, how are we ever going to have real critically important discussions when they're just keeping at this trash talk level and and mocking I mean some of it got so cruel and so mean and I don't like to be cruel or mean um I guess the the let's go Brandon thing is a little bit just at the edge because <laughs> you don't actually have to say the words right everybody knows what it it means and yet it does mean something that is um very disrespectful um but i i guess drastic times calls for drastic measures i you know i don't know i still like to try to keep things classy if i can but um well i mean yeah but people are fed up and it's kind of like you know they're they're speaking they're speaking out against you know this administration's choices so yeah 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 and you get it the level of frustration because you go with hard data you've got published science you've got this and that and and you get nothing back you get no dialogue back you get absurd statements declarations um what have you it does push you to that edge of where you really just want to drop some bad bombs (laughs) because You know, can you hear me? Are you listening? Can we dialogue? Yeah. Um, that, you know, and, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not without frustration, but it's just like at the public level, how, how far do I go? How much do I laugh? Well, I do and, like the Brandon thing. That's so funny. <laughs> and, and, uh, and to that point, I just want to get a, an idea of, you know, the engagement uh, that you've had or uh, haven't had with uh, political agencies or at least political people. Uh, within government, are you seeing a divide or at least a consistent pattern? 
where you actually are getting engagement or you're actually not getting engagement from certain uh, from certain uh, political organizations. Uh, Karen, you're, you're asking, right? Oh, yes. My yeah. apologies. Yes. Oh, well, you know, we are a 501c3, so we do uh, work on legislation. You know, we do get involved with supporting bills that are favorable to our cause and, and standing up against bills that we don't like. Um, so that is a very important part of what our chapters do uh, and our advocacy. Oh, wait, um, so you're, are your chapters C3s or C4s? Because They're C3s. C3s. The they're C3s. C3s can't lobby, but the C4s can well, you just C3s, can't get behind um candidates we can't get behind candidates and we have an h designation oh, and that okay. means that means that we are we are telling the irs we want to be judged um on our lobbying activities by expenditure as opposed to time spent lobbying okay good and and because it usually is a minimal time of year um <clears throat> that you need to put money out toward actual lobbying a lot of education can be done that doesn't cost a lot of money right right it's okay. all mostly volunteer with the chapters yeah. so so there's really no money spent very little money spent lobbying yeah um, you know and it's usually comes down to a percentage of your entire budget right. is the yeah. limit okay so, yeah that's so. that's what we always did too with informed twist washington we we were um a c3 and anything we had to to posters or whatever we just paid for out of pocket volunteer rather than you know we didn't even spend the little 10% that you were allowed as a C3 because we were trying to be so careful and then one year I had a um a representative threaten to audit us and I let him know who <laughs> this particular legislator that you know in fighting his really bad bill I not only had spent about $2000 of my own money in printing and gas and other expenses, hotels, what have you. Um, I had lost about 10 pounds. <laughs> I, I was looking very gaunt that year. Um, uh, but then after that, we decided because the, the focus is so high on groups like ours, they're, they're looking for any excuse to take us right. down, mm -hmm. that we, we also started up a C4. So we, you know, no, we're good. <laughs> you right. can't. You can't touch us at nice all. Nice try, yeah. buddy. Nice <laughs> try, buddy. Yeah. But but to get more to the point, and I, I don't mean to belabor it, but are you seeing a divide or a split in terms of like, for example, uh, traditional parties where we have them right now? Are you seeing one party listening more to your concerns versus another party? And not naming parties. I'm just saying, is there a, a, an obvious split right now? Well, for sure, in certain geographical locations i'm in chicago for sure i mean we're seeing that um you know i'm sure bernadette saw that in washington um i, I would say though we are see i'm seeing such a change though of people being non-political and coming together and you know realizing that we all really want the same thing i think there's mm -hmm. there's sort of a, a recognition now i'm seeing a lot of people who were on one side who's you know, who realize they have more in common with the other side. And so in, in that respect, it's been very nice. Mm -hmm. um, I, I still see some people who are very angry at one side and, and you know, I kind of understand, but um, I think really people, um, what I think what it boils down to is mostly how much you really believe the media. 
you know, mm-hmm. it, once there's that recognition that the media is really not being straight with you, you sort of, it's sort of all, you know, the, the house of cards comes down, right? Yeah. Um, so what I have found in my personal opinion is that those who haven't recognized the level of, um, you know, propaganda that we hear every day in media um, are the ones who still are kind of staunchly, I guess, entrenched in their party. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but it's interesting. A lot of people are more like, I'm an independent and I just want what's right for my family. Um, mm-hmm. That's really what I'm hearing more and more. I love that. I, I love that in their attempts to divide us, it's failing and it's beginning to unite us because it's helping us really see what we have in common. And I always like to point out that, you know, in order to help somebody kind of make that journey and understanding, you know, it's not that most people working in media understand that they're intentionally telling you a lie. No, what they're doing is not vetting anything. They pull stories off the newswire they trust it. They don't vet it. Nobody looks into it, especially if the story came from what they consider to be a trusted source, which would be the government. And anytime you have a um, the, the bulk of your media taking at face value messaging from your government, that's not a free society anymore. We need journalists point. to go back to being journalists and anything coming from the CDC should be looked at with skepticism. And, you know, we, they need to help us see um, and, and point out that's what great journalists are supposed to do. I mean, 60 Minutes used to do these amazing in-depth getting people in trouble. Years ago, they even did one on the DPT shot. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to change. Um, unfortunately, right. it also led to the 1986 Act that we now need to get rid of. But right. yeah, be careful right. what you wish for. Um, and uh, but yeah, that it's just journal and uh, mainstream media has to change it. And I um, uh, one of my favorite people, Allison Morrow, who's an independent journalist in Washington State. I was talking to her on her show just yesterday. And, you know, she said something that made me think what I would love is a disclaimer after every story, if you're watching ABC News and they just pulled it off the newswire, the anchor would have to say, this story is unvetted. We pulled it off the newswire and did not check it and then read it, right? (laughs) That's what I would love. I I want them to admit when they're just repeating what they were told. Right, right. I'm really impressed with Alex Berenson. Mm, mm -hmm. He's he's probably one of my favorites right now. because I, I, you could sign, kind of see him sort of come on board with understanding over, over these past year and a half, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. his, in his understanding of the situation, seeing the big picture is very yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. It has been very interesting. And who's the other one that, um, oh, he was with a, he had a, a magazine that he helped found and they actually- I Glenn think, Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald, yes. Yeah, I get um, subscribed to his posts. His are fascinating as well, because you've got the, you know, people that normally would never have looked at this subject before and just writing amazing things. And Mm -hmm. so there there is a lot of a lot of hope um, if people just discover it. 
Um, we've got like two more minutes, Karen, or until they play the, until Eric plays the music for us. So um, tell us a little bit more now at the end here, uh, what you encourage listeners to do, where can they go find information and become active themselves? Sure. Um, obviously come to childrenshealthdefense.org. Um, join one of our chapters. If not, join a health choice chapter. We have a collaboration with the health choice chapters and affiliates. Um, mm -hmm. We encourage everybody to get involved. Um, we are also, in, also encouraging everybody to order their book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Ooh, do you got a copy there? I've got my on order. It's like not coming till when? November or something? Oh, well, it is November really now. It re releases November 16th. Okay. Um, I've started um, reading an advanced copy and it's it's just unbelievable what's in mm. there. I mean, it's just kind of shocking, <laughs> but um, it's, it's really a great book. All of the proceeds will go to Children's Health Defense and help us pay for more of our lawsuits and um, just keep working to inform um, the public. That is fantastic. And, and share with everyone you know. Um, yeah, because it's that is the the most important thing is that grassroots sharing. Share through email sometimes if you're if you're not having you know share on social media. Despite the censorship, you still can get one or two out there, and somebody will see it that didn't. But share via email, print things out. You guys have some things that are that are printable. We've got some things on informedchoicesquad.org. We've got a, a flyers tab. I've got a new. Um, post up now with some that are very specific to concerns about vaccinating children that you can print and distribute, uh, um, you know. Yeah, we, we've got a lot of printables on our website too, especially the real important one right now is the 10 reasons not to give your child the COVID vaccine. Um, that's a real great one. That's on our website. It's probably okay. under our mandates toolkit tab. Mandates so, toolkit tab. Thank you for yeah. that. And I hear yeah. the music. <laughs> Well, Karen uh, McDonough from CHD Children's Health Defense, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. You've been listening to an Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. 
My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today we need a revolution there's only one solution i need somebody to show me somebody to show me the love we need a revolution welcome to the second hour of an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me is Javier Figueroa. Welcome to our second hour there, Javier and everyone. Hello, everyone out there. Glad to be able to speak with you and share with you. Yeah, you know, it is so good to have freedom on the airwaves still. And I pray that this tsunami of um, erasing freedoms never makes it this far. You know, so far, so good. We've got amazing from coast to coast, as I experienced on my drive from Washington to Tennessee, coast to coast there, uh, you know, American spirit and freedom um, are alive and well. And I, I, I pray it, it continues and it will continue as long as we keep standing up, speaking up and uh, I'm being brave. So earlier today, um, Javier and I got a chance to speak with our guests. So we recorded that then. I'm gonna be playing that for you here at the top of the hour. <clears throat> Some of my regular listeners have, have uh, met him before, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. He is the editor-in-chief at Science, Public Health Policy and the Law. He earned his PhD in Ecology, Evolution, and Conservation Biology. His published papers include those on concerning levels of aluminum in pediatric vaccines. And he's a researcher, educator, and advocate for the return of real ethical science by and for the people. It, we're so proud to know him. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can uh, get this thing playing here for you. And here hey, Jack, go. welcome to an informed live radio. Thank you for that. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, and we're here with uh, Javier to, you know, just kind of go over all the amazing work you've been doing. You've been putting out such great um, articles, blog posts that just hit the nail on the head on so many aspects of what's going on and what's going wrong. Fully cited as usual for you with the science, with the politics, with everything anybody needs to know so that they don't have to take your word for it. They can go explore and see 
you know, what is this guy talking about? And heck yeah, he knows what he's talking about, right? So, um, you know, you and I have talked many times over the past uh, several years and quite a bit this past year. So tell uh, folks about this new um, place of your blogs, the popular rationalism. Well, yeah, sure. So let's first talk about the name, right? I, I could not believe that after 2015, when I wrote the books that I wrote, and I decided to join uh, people like yourself in, in talking with uh, legislators and educating committees about the realities of how shoddy vaccine safety science actually was, that I could not believe that I found myself marching around state capitals, you know, with a megaphone, you know, chanting that people wanted science, right? They, I would say, what do you want? science when do you want it now these mm -hmm. so-called anti-vaxxers uh want science more than pharma wants it and they want science more than fauci and uh, oh yeah you know the cdc so the thought occurred to me that you know it's it's more than just one of these like snarky kind of word uses i'm a philosopher at heart and empirical science has been the basis of our civilization since the enlightenment and that's under attack right now so we need a counter movement and that counter movement is has to be more than just oh no wait we really want empirical science it's, right. it's like woohoo yeah it's great but seriously you know just to, to to stand on the steps of state capitals and hear crowds ch chanting for science tells me that there is a popular or a populist movement that wants rationality, they want logic, mm -hmm. reason, and science. And so I'm buoyed and supported by these very same people. And so I thought, well, you know, we need to update uh, what, we're, what we're talking about. We're not just talking about a continuation of empirical research science. What we're talking about is a blowback upon what I call the constructivist or the uh, verificationists uh, who actually go around saying, well, you know, if I want to call this guy green, this guy is green. I, I, I'm, I, I, I said it, but therefore it must be true because I have the authority to do that. There's a whole lot of discussion that can go uh, on how that's packaged conceptually and philosophically. But in reality, pharma has given up on empirical science many, many moons ago. The government's fully captured you know, almost, <laughs> almost, mm -hmm. there's some holdouts. Uh, and so they're giving up on empirical science, bona fide objective empirical science. I founded IPAC to conduct empirical research science. When we publish it, the verificationists come in and say, yeah, but we think that there might be this hypothetical problem. So they retract our vax on vax study. So well, what do we do? Well, what we have to do is we have to stand up as uh, the public. Mm -hmm. The public is demanding objective science. They have such a big heart for me as a person. Thank you very much, and I love you all. But they have a bigger heart for a foundation upon which they have legs to stand to understand what's happening around them. You know, so we're fighting mm -hmm. for two versions of reality. One is a reality based on reality, or at least find the truth. <laughs> Reality-based <right>? reality. <laughs> reality-based reality, and this other virtual reality. That you know right. they they claim that something's true and they make up numbers and they shift categories and you know they manipulate and they got they've gotten very good at it they but they, they their hubris is they think that nobody can see what they're doing mm -hmm. and, and in many ways they remind me of a child who's about two or maybe three or four years old that ate a cookie out of the cookie jar and time and time again this image comes to me they've got chocolate all over their mouth and the mom <laughs> goes did you eat the cookie and the child goes, no. 
right? <laughs> and the cookie jars on the floor. There's nothing but crumbs left. Did you eat all the cookies? No. And the <laughs> you know, that's exactly what I think about these people. Yeah. They leave traces and evidence of all of their wrongdoings, all of their constructions, right? All, uh, all over the place. And so what popular rationalism is, is it's a very inspired, basically a blog where people can go, you can read it for free. It's always going to be for free. All my articles will be for free, but you can, you can subscribe. The lowest uh, denomination is $7 a month, um, and which annualizes and stabilizes, you know, more income so that I can go forward and keep doing what I'm doing. And so mm -hmm. this popular rationalism, I learned about it from Alex Berenson and I saw other people that uh, had gotten a commitment that popular, the, the Substack, it's on Substack, Right. But that platform is not going to deplatform anyone. So nice. that is a bastion oh, wow. of free speech. It's a free speech zone. Substack is a free speech zone. And I'm very happy to say that um, I have not received any evidence whatsoever that they're ever going to ding me on anything that I have mm -hmm. to say. They're never going to strike against you. And what that did for me psychologically was really interesting. It allowed me to relax, you know, right, and put and invest in my articles knowing that they're going to have longevity fantastic rather than just go. write an article that might be torn down okay mm -hmm. and i also conceptually think of this as you know an, an extended tweet each of my articles i think of as an extended tweet which is kind of freeing right mm -hmm. like i'm married to it i put the wholehearted commitment into it but i only have to think about it for a little while right. so i'm doing about an article a day i get up early in the morning i write the thing these things out and for many writers for any authors early morning work is very very productive and you have a very clear head you know, i'm often inspired moments before i write the article something will come to my brain and i'll just say okay i'm gonna write mm -hmm. about this today mm -hmm. yeah and just i wanted to add that uh, jack you're part of a, a movement that was uh recurs every once in a while every hundred years or so in the late 1800s to early 1900s the movement towards uh you know a populist approach uh, an engagement by the populace to do science and address scientific issues was growing and then it was squashed yeah <laughs> yeah so it's not, it, uh, not this time not this, not time. this time you know yeah. i i think that this COVID chaos has so revealed so much to so many people that this time I think it's going to stick because, you know, we have never seen anything like it before. The numbers of people. I I just got a text yesterday from um, a legislator in Washington state whose um, family relative died immediately after getting a booster. And when you start getting, um, you know, people from all walks of life, including those, you know, elected officials personally impacted by this, you've get a wake up call like, like no other. Um, and it's happening, it's happening. And, you know, of course, out there right now, we're all terrified that parents are eagerly because they've been so lied to lining their children up for these shots. And um, so we really need to rebuild. It's tragic what's happening. It's a it's a war like we've never seen before. Yes, I heard on the news. I didn't hear it. Um, watch it myself. I'll have to just gird up my strength to go watch. I guess Biden stood um, shoulder to shoulder with Bill Gates yesterday and somebody from the World Economic Forum and announced <sighs> um, a dozen public private partnerships to reshape America and moving toward um, 
a banking system that is only at the federal level to get rid of all private banking. Yeah. Wow. So it's yeah. But guess what? Guess what? Not going to happen. No, no. We, we can't Not let it happen. happen. No, but it, whole, it won't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Um, what's the website address of where we can go read these uh, posts? It's 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 popular rationalism on substack.com. So it would be popularrationalism.substack.com. Okay. Um, you know, some of the some of the more popular articles uh, that I that recall the popularity include a, an open letter to John Unides of Stanford University, letting him know that, you know, although he's standing up for science in his own way, he's like, okay, well, science is all but gone. Right. And, and I'm like, no, John, because what they're doing is not science, right? So Karl Popper, the philosopher of science, actually had to put out a demarcation line. He called it a demarcation between science and non-science. And what they're doing would fit with what he fought against in pre-Nazi Germany. And luckily, he survived and came through. And he came, he gave us hypothesis testing. He gave us, you know, trying to challenge ideas in science and challenge your favorite idea. If you have a favorite idea, you need to try to falsify it. You need to try to find as many or any uh, uh, examples that actually show mm -hmm. that you're wrong, right. not just these confirming instances that show that yeah. you're right. right. And, and that's, I'm a Popperian philosopher of science. And and so when, when we see guys like John Unides, who has widespread respect across the board, uh, come out and say science is basically dead, then he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I had to, you know, stake a flag and go, wait a minute, I'm not quite dead yet. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're still here, yeah. we're still slugging away, John. I don't know what you're doing, but at Stanford University, but we're teaching the public science. I'm teaching science through IPEC University, IPEC EDU as well. So there's just yep. so much going on that's uh, really mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. And, and the reason why it's exciting, why I'm always optimistic is when you compare things that are the, the old dinosaurs that die off, like the old telephone, remember the old telephone with the with the line on it? It was heavy, you couldn't move it around the house. It was sluggish and slow. Well, that's what academia is. Academia has costs and overhead, like brick and mortar, they've got janitors, they've got massive, massive sizes of administrations, right? Well, IPAC EDU has me and all the instructors and you, the public, mm -hmm. right? So in, in terms of replication, in terms of growth, I mean, IPEC EDU is growing exponentially in the number of students. It's a growing exponentially in the number of instructors. And each course what? is live. It's really a lot of fun. Tell us the name of some of these amazing instructors that are now working with you. Well, the, the most recent one to sign on is Dr. David Brownstein. He's going to teach a course on holistic uh, um, approaches to human health. Uh, Paul Thomas is putting together a course in pediatric wellness. You might be, you might be ready wow. for the fall. Yeah, we've just signed two new instructors for applied biostatistics and spreadsheets too, and they're going to work together so you can learn how to do data analysis yourself, and you can learn how to execute the analysis and spreadsheets. Um, you know, the, 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 I have a large number of well, uh, uh, Andre Angelantonis uh, in, in the middle of his vaccine course right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm providing a safe harbor for academics, and you know, a lot of people are leaving academia over this vaccine issue. And man, what if they all came over to IPAC EDU and started teaching the public everything that they yeah. taught in their classroom in brick and mortar, right? Then right. the public would be better facilitated, better situated to compete in the public forum 
when it comes to make, having these fights against you know tyranny and, and that's what it's all about ipac edu is all about empowering the public so that you guys can do better at the right. job that you're doing a great job at but we need to do more and we need to do better yeah and that's you know that is what makes freedom flourish is an educated populace and that's it's been alarming over the past year um wasn't it was forbes and one of the major uh, magazines out there did an article saying why you shouldn't do your own research and you should just tr trust the experts right you know are you kidding me that's not me. freedom you know i believe in uh referring to experts not deferring to experts you know brilliantly and, stated i love yeah. that Bernadette. i want to give everybody a little clue when the news article says all you need to know about x yeah they, then <laughs> it's like wait what are the other letters in the alphabet do you not tell me about okay yeah, all yeah. you need to know and it, it's like a, you could read it in four minutes. Oh, okay, great. I'm going to base the entire all of my healthcare decisions where I'm going to where I'm going to live and everything else on the basis of your all you need to know. Yeah. And that's what I mean about the chocolate around the face. It's like here's a red flag. You know, yeah. this is disinformation. <laughs> yeah. All you need to know makes. Oh, wait a minute. There's something interesting there. I'm going to dig deeper. Exactly. I literally use that as a cue to say, yeah. okay, what the heck are they are they not telling us? Do either of you know the a famous quote and it goes something like a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Uh, um, I wish I had that memorized and, and who said it I used to, but it, it, you know, the premise is just that if you know a little bit about something you can be really dangerous because you go around like a know it all. And, you know, and, and right now we've got a lot of busy bodies who are just listening to skimming the surface of knowledge of science of vaccines of policy, and then yeah. trying to force everybody to that, because they don't have the depth of understanding to see it's it's not resting on anything. You know, th th there is there is a, a problem with that. And so, you know, well, I'll tell you right now, I did not know what I know now about environmental toxicology, because I've spent months putting out the courses, the lecture together right. for my course on environmental toxicology. So I've always lived my life to work on my weaknesses. Uh, right. I don't know something and I, I need to strengthen it. I study it and I read a lot and so on. And so this university, this IPAC EDU, you can get a certificate for each course and people are just there to learn. I don't really care about college degrees. I've bitten the, I, I bit the bullet. I've decided I'm going to teach immunology. I'm going to go into the biology of immunology after trying desperately to recruit Tatiana. And <laughs> I love her. I just love her, but she's got her own thing going on and I totally respect that. So yeah. what I want to do is I want to encourage people to have the confidence that when you come to the courses at IPAC EDU, we put a lot of time into making sure that the content that's there isn't just, you know, bias bullshit about, I'm sorry, bias crap about how <laughs> you don't like that bias crap about how, um, it's not just bias crap about how you know vaccines are dangerous or pharmaceuticals are evil or anything like that it's the fundamentals right. i went back after 20 years of not teaching intro bio at the major level to teaching a whole two semester course in intro bio and it was a lot of fun i got to learn what happens like i felt like rip ben winkle 20 years later what do they know now you yeah. know that i didn't that i didn't used to teach back then and so, you know, it's, it's my passion to, to share and educate and inform and empower. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and whatever you do with it, whatever the knowledge you do with the knowledge, it's your knowledge. And, uh, you know, I, I, these, the, the classes, the actual class experiences sustain me. They empower me and invigorate me like nothing else. So uh, I feel very fortunate to have happened upon the guts 
to put together this, you know, Grace was telling me for years, you should teach online. But when the penny dropped, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to go to an online university. I can just create an online own. university. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's great. It, it is great. And someday I'm going to take a vacation, like I, like a year's worth and just binge educate and join, take every one of your classes. Um, uh, well, the, anyway. the nice thing, the nice thing yeah. about that, Bernadette, is that if you can't make this, the, the live classes, all of them are videotaped so you yeah. get access to the video online. Yeah. And then you have access to the instructor during that time when, you know, you Here can write to the instructors and email them, you can talk to them and say, hey, you know, answer questions. So there's an online like live version and then there's, oh, I have to watch the, 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 the lecture again because I missed a few things or I had mm -hmm. to go change a diaper or whatever mm -hmm. people do in their real lives. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when I first met you, Jack, and you were talking about your approach to education, I was so impressed because you found in academia, there were a lot of professors that taught in challenging ways, almost as if they were, um, you know, trying to make it difficult for their students to, to do well. And it made no sense. It was almost a competition between the professor, how the complicated students. he could make it, and the students who were trying yeah. to strike. But you, your approach to educating is to is really to get them to understand as much as possible. And you have different methods, um, all of them kind of fun and entertaining. So yeah, I, this this was meant to be. It's a perfect marriage between your skills and and your personality and. So I wanted to ask you, though, I want to move on. I know your time is limited. You've got a lot of projects. And I wanted to talk to you about the new OSHA ruling um, and also about a product night. OK, you go ahead and say it. <laughs> Nitric oxide. You want to ask about the sanitized nasal spray? Dr. I Nitric do. Yes, I want to find out where I can get it in the United States, too. Sure. So on the OSHA ruling, uh, if you go and download it, you'll see that in Section 3.A, OSHA uh, reports that they have found that all unvaccinated workers, with some exceptions, which they don't specify the exceptions, face a grave danger from the SARS-CoV-2 virus, right? And so, you know, I've been, other people have been paying attention the nitty-gritty details about what's been happening both at the vaccine trials what's been happening right. with pcr testing and people like yourself that approached me with questions that's that spurred me on in that way um so the question the obvious retort that most people will think of is, no wait a minute let me say that again osha is saying that all unvaccinated workers with some exception face a grave danger from the sars-cov-2 virus and yet almost everyone knows that there's over a 99.8% survival of COVID-19, just on the face of it, mm -hmm. right? What people might not realize is that 21% of Americans walked into 2020 with prior immunity from other coronaviruses, right? Mm -hmm. And they might not also know that 78% of the patients that had serious COVID actually had prior autoimmunity, but only 7% of patients that had mild COVID had prior autoimmunity. Right. Okay, so pretty pr pretty quickly, this starts to winnow down the number of serious COVID-19 cases in terms of the absolute risk to the, and that we didn't even get to the people who are already immune due to past COVID, mm -hmm. right? So we're, we're talking about a claim, a knowledge claim that's made by, um, by OSHA. Now their knowledge claim is uh, that you have to vaccinate, the rule is you have to vaccinate or you have to uh, be tested on a regular basis. 
uh, and mask to go to a workplace with more than 100 workers. Well, interestingly, when it comes to the people who are actually already immune to prior COVID, prior SARS-CoV-2 infection, now get this, they actually say this, let me read this. Given scientific uncertainty and limitations in testing for infection and immunity, OSHA is concerned that it would be infeasible for employers to oper operationalize a standard that would permit or require an exemption from vaccination or testing based covering based on prior infection with COVID-19. Oh, wait a minute, OSHA. Are you saying that the testing is so unreliable that you're mandating a test that's so unreliable that people who uh, had previous infection, if they go ahead and test, that that test is unreliable just because they had a previous infection or what's going on with that? Yeah. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be actually nailing OSHA to the wall and sending them back to the drawing board and say, hey, wait a minute. You just said that the PCR tests are unreliable. We agree. And guess what? The efficacy of the vaccine that you're trying to make people take, that's unreliable too, because all we know about the efficacy of each and every vaccine that you're trying to mandate is based on the same PCR test. Right. So we kind of have them even on that. They're internally in, uh, inconsistent in their logic. It's all right for one set of people, uh, the PCR tests, if you're in a clinical trial, apparently it works. If you're not in a clinical trial, apparently it doesn't. And they're gonna argue, oh, wait a minute, it's in the context of the clinical trial, things are more structured, things are better. Well, no, 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 no. wait a minute. <laughs> it's just, it's well, just talk. Jack, this is what happens when you tell a lie, right? You tell a lie, you know, and 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 you, it looks pretty simple, but then somebody challenges you to that and you have to make up another lie to cover the first and it becomes this whole tangle of false statements not supported. When you tell the truth, you don't end up in these these bizarre um, statements where you just undermine your own argument. Yeah, you know, OSHA actually did this. So <clears throat> people that are just coming to become aware when when a federal agency makes a new rule or uh, publishes a, an ETS, they have to 30 days prior put it, put it, put something in the federal register that you have 30 days to comment on. And one of the things that I'm criticizing OSHA about is, is let me read this that was published June 21, 2021. So we've had some time to process this. Um, as of May 24th, 2021, 1,611 healthcare personnel have died out of 490 one 816 healthcare COVID-19 cases where healthcare personnel status and death status is known by CDC. This is likely an undercount of cases they claim and deaths as the healthcare personnel status is not known for 81% of cases and death status is unknown in 20% of the cases where the healthcare personnel status is known. And so the problem is they're saying, we don't know how many people had COVID we don't know how many people have died from COVID, but and then they say, but it's probably more than we think it is. It's just literally pulling that bias out of the air and saying it's probably underreported without any rationale. Right. Now, the killer is, now, Dr. Singhang Lee, professional associate of mine, he actually pointed me to a study in The Lancet where Kaiser Permanente studying the <laughs> Pfizer vaccine accidentally provided us with the data yep. where we can calculate the false positive rate of the PCR test at 91%. Wow. 91% failure. Okay. Of false, <laughs> uh, okay. This is incredibly good yeah. because if we could downward adjust everything by their estimate, right? So we had other estimates. There was an uh, estimate from 
Australia at 11%. Dr. Lee's estimate was 30%, but that wasn't a clinical sample. That was a technical group of samples. And then we had the marine study, which was about 36%. So we're somewhere between 36 and 91%, and we can't nail that down because the actual study that has not been done is we cannot raise enough money at NATAC to get the get the samples flowing. We have a project at IPAC, ED, uh, IPAC sorry, yeah. uh, uh, called the NATAC, the nucleic acid um, assay uh, eva technical evaluation um, this consortium. And what we're trying to do is we have it's IRB approved. We've got a clinic that's ready to go. Let's take samples from patients and put those samples through sequencing with Dr. Lee to determine how many of the patients that would have been diagnosed with PCR actually had something else or had nothing at all. Right. And that something else is really important because they're, they're trying to determine all these people that had pneumonia in 2020, they died of COVID, right? No, well, how, what percentage were bacterial pneumonia? We don't know. But those same people that, that were po tested positive with PCR that had an infection that might not have been COVID, they were all sent home for 10 to 14 days to sicken in place and perhaps die, mm -hmm. okay? Or sicken in place, and if you're well enough, in, although you're blue in the face, come to the emergency room. Right. Well, what, how many of those people had bacterial pneumonia? How many of those people had influenza? How many of those people had respiratory syncytial virus or something else that we don't know, mm -hmm. right? And so we can say with high confidence that, that the number of deaths and the number of cases and deaths is overestimated when it comes to COVID-19, there's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've published papers on it. We've been cited by USA Today as being wrong, which is fantastic because you know, <laughs> hundreds of millions of people read USA Today. I guess I don't know how many of their readership is. Um, but you know, in my wildest dreams, what we would actually see is a judge take a look at the evidence that we're presenting and say, "Hey, this is a nightmare. This is just a mess." Uh, right? How can you possibly enact a rule here and have that judge be truly concerned about the people that might be dying from COVID right. because they tested with an inaccurate test, they thought they had COVID, they followed the instructions, they go home and wait. And that's even before we get to the economic loss. We already went through one lockdown. It was a financial disaster. It was an economic disaster. Now what you're going to do is what I complained about. I predicted this in Harrisburg and that virus in that video that went viral where I said, everybody that tests positive unnecessarily, if you do widespread testing with an inaccurate test or a leaky test, if you call it that, you're setting off a bomb, bomb, a bomb, not just in their lives, but now we're clustering it to businesses. Right. The work loss that those businesses are going to experience is going to be unsustainable. And this is going to further damage the United States economy. And you can say, that's what they want. You can say, this yeah. is a world uh, economic uh, uh, forum takeover. Yeah. Look, there's not going to be any banks or whatever. Oh, well, wait a minute these judges are american citizens yes so if you appeal to them as like your fellow americans have the right to life liberty and pursuit of happiness they need to be able to go to work it's in the constitution it was stronger in the documents before the constitution but it's in the constitution life liberty and pursuit of happiness how can you live if you can't work make a, a living wage how can you pursue your happiness if you're not free to do the work that you want to do for that wage uh and and so on so we're right on top of all of this. In fact, when the OSHA rule dropped, that's when I sent my expert testimony to a case out in California. Um, and the lawyers you know, uh, are taking a look at what I've got right now, and there's a huge number of references. And so, you know, fingers crossed, we'll see something like a temporary restraining order on this and people can continue to earn a, a living wage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I know people like yourself are moving from state to state to escape the, the tyranny. People mm -hmm. are changing jobs. People are deciding to work from home. They're, you know, 
and all the rest and the, 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 these, these tyrannical people are trying to chase down every last possible reason not to vaccinate. You have to ask why. Exactly. Why is it so important? The central tenet of public health on herd immunity is not satisfied by this vaccine. Right. Why do they insist that we have to undergo an unnecessary medical procedure? And, you know, Paul Rand uh, uh, is exactly right. So Senator Paul Rand told Anthony Fauci yesterday, history will tell exactly who's telling the truth. Rand Paul? Rand Paul, yes. I was, <laughs> that, that's one of my flips. I, I told him flips, but I was Senator Rand Paul. Um, and, and, and so we're going to know. One of the world will know, the, the, the public will know with 100% certainty eventually why they're trying yeah. to push the vaccines. Yeah. They, one they, of, if it's simply just that they, there's a hierarchical power structure that must be answered to, well, guess mm -hmm. what? We've got the head of the snake in Fauci right now. Yeah. But that's just the beginning. Anthony Fauci is just the tip of the iceberg. If I'm successful, if we're all successful, then we will have a popular rationalism uprising that says we're going to dismantle the CDC. We're going to dismantle Good. the FDA. We're going to dismantle NIH. The money that's going to NIH right now, that is most the lion's share goes to NIH, uh, so-called science, without any peer review on what the science is. They, it's internally funded. They can fund, they can do whatever they want. They can publish or not publish. Well, all of that will shift over to the universities, so they'll be free. Uh, and under plan B, we'll have 80 new research institutions located in random spots around the country that are responsible for determining what's killing people in America and what's making them sick. And they're funded directly by the Senate, no go-betweens. And if they're found in bed with pharma or if their spouses are found in bed with pharma, then that entire unit gets shut down. Nice. It's, it's excised like a weed in the garden. And then we roll the dice and we find a zip code somewhere else. And then we say, hey, you just won the lottery. You're getting this new research yeah. institution. You're going to get 40 scientists and 40 new families. And, you know, they're going to be looking after you. Yeah, so this, let, this let, model is called Plan B. Plan B is in the can. It's already published. It's peer-reviewed. And, and I hope you guys get behind it. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted you to say, is that Plan B isn't just an expression for you. Plan B is a published paper about where um, science needs to go. And uh, yeah, and where can we find Plan B? Well, just look up hashtag Plan B on social media associated with my name. You'll find it. Uh, okay. It's in the International Journal of Vaccine Research uh, Theory and Practice. Okay. Hashtag uh, Plan B, James Lyons-Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R. Um, and we'll put links to this on the radio show page so people um, can more easily find it. Um, and so the, the last thing I want you to talk about is, is that nasal spray that is authorized in other countries. And I think we can get it here, I'm hoping, in the United States. And tell us about the product and the science behind it. And holy cow. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, so, so our immune systems are complex. And one of our immune systems is called the innate immune system. We use things like hydrogen peroxide produced by the body. And we use nitric oxide produced by the body to make our serum and blood inhospitable to bacteria and viruses and cells that are infected with viruses. And so what nitric oxide actually does, this is a product put out by Sanitize. It's a Canadian company. It's sold for some reason in Israel under the product name Enovid. You can order it online. What it, you put a nasal spray in your nose a few times a day for a period of days. It clears the virus in 95% of people within 24 hours who are infected with COVID-19. These are human 
randomized placebo-controlled clinical trials, wow. three of them, okay? It also clears the virus in 99% of people within 72 hours. Now, you didn't hear this from Anthony Fauci. You didn't hear this from Rochelle Lewinsky. You didn't hear this from Tim Shimabukuro or anybody at the at ACIP or CDC, FDA, no one, okay? Wow. Yeah. I'm sure that they've applied for emergency youth authorization in the United States. The cool thing is you can get it over the counter. You can just right. go online, find a COVID, order it, it comes to your house, and you're off to the races. Now, the science that's behind this was not just done in Canada. It was done to the phase one and phase two were done in Canada, but then phase three was moved to the UK. And the UK is an independent group that's working there, and they've, they've confirmed what's going on. It's a large phase two clinical trial. The best thing that people can do is go to the sanitized website and go to the press releases, read those press releases. That is by far the And I actually interviewed uh, the C. CIO or CEO, some, some high-ranking guy at Sanitize on Unbreaking Science. The fact is, it is 100% up to you to make sure that everyone in your community, whether you love them or dislike them, <laughs> you're done with them, whether they kicked your kid out of the practice or not, learns about this option. Mm -hmm. Because you're never going to hear it from the higher-ups. We yep. have to have a great awareness that this thing is completely, completely manageable. This is in addition to all the other protocols that people know about that can confer protection, that can actually provide um, prophylactic protection, mm -hmm. and also the early treatment that uh, Pierre Corey and Peter McCullough yeah. and the others have been so so eloquent in making sure yeah. that many people know it's possible. So sanitize, nasal spray, nitric oxide. I have a niece who used it, okay? And she says, well, it kind of burns a little, but after that, you get used to it. All right, so I'm sure saline yeah. will burn to some people too, right? So mm -hmm. right. Um, I would encourage people, I'm not giving medical advice here, but I would encourage you to address the absence of any rational policy in the United States about this. About this, It's up to you guys to change the policy. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. We got to save ourselves. If people stop showing up at the doctor's office and hospital, they can, you know, they can't keep claiming anything right so you know we need to put an end to this nonsense and so we are so grateful to you dr james linesweiler for all you do for bringing us this great information and putting it out there in your hard work so i just want to uh you know best wishes to you lots of prayers to you get some sleep um i know you you sort of operate on coffee 24 7 but <laughs> Well, since I've met you, I make sure I supplement my coffee with magnesium on a regular basis. And, oh, good. <laughs> and, 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 and I do get sleep. Uh, this is the one of the things that I can reassure people. As productive as I am, um, I sleep like a baby because I know I'm doing the right thing. I, oh. you know, I might go to bed late and wake up early, but I get, I get a good night's sleep every night. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on an Informed Life radio. We'll see you thank next you. time. Thanks, guys. Bye now. Cut. <laughs> there I we love, go. <laughs> I love that interview. That was so great. It it was fun. Hold on, let me go. Like stop share. There we go. He he's just so awesome. I don't. I his brain functions just at such a higher level than mine. His uh, knowledge, even if he doesn't occasionally um, get a little dyslexic with somebody's name, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's that Rand Paul's life. problem for having a last name that's a first name. It's easy to do. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. And by the way, uh, happy Friday. I know this is not kosher, but cheers to oh, you. Oh, cheers. Okay, here I can.
I'll join you, but mine's just tea. So <laughs> I love it. Um, so give me your thoughts here. That tell you know you are a researcher, scientist. Give me your thoughts on what our discussion with Jack. I thought that the discussion was uh, on point, <clears throat> and mostly uh, uh, making light of the fact that right now our, our public health agencies and the institutions that are supposed to guide our, our decision making and our policy making through scientific rigor are, are really an extension of uh, corporate pressures, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And, you know, independent thinkers, people that can actually push back and say, I do not agree with this because the bulk of the evidence, or at least you have not been able to prove to my satisfaction that you've been able to uh, nullify your hypothesis. That is, you mm -hmm. haven't been able to disprove your hypothesis. And that's an important distinction versus, you know, I believe, I feel, I, mm -hmm. I have some evidence indicating this. The whole point of the scientific method and the whole point of uh, advocating for uh, scientific literacy is the ability to say, I don't know. I have questions. We need to look further on this mm -hmm. in order for us to feel better or in order, in order for us to actually uh, agree that uh, this is safe or this is not safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jack is uh, an incredibly brave and independent scientist, which is a rarity in this world right now. Mm -hmm. It really, really is when you have people that are able to say, I don't care what my university says. I don't care what my funding uh, source says. Mm -hmm. I have to tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anybody, an right. And how anybody could say that you're uh, in, for lack of a better term, it's what they label us, the anti-vaccine movement, uh, for personal gain. Nobody enters this discussion publicly, this debate. Nobody stands up because they want to be famous and rich uh, no, because everybody knows when you enter, um, you are sacrificing your career or your yeah. future career or future connections. You are potentially sacrificing relationships with people who will not accept what you're doing. I do feel that eventually we're going to get to a better place where the term anti-vaxxer is no longer pejorative, that it simply means somebody who does their medical due diligence and is not um, does not want government or individuals bullied by pharma. Yes. You know, that's yeah. where we need to go. And, you know, last week when we had Kirby Wilbur on, remember what he was saying? What, what yes. was that definition? Something, what the military does that, you know, they, they devise campaigns, but then they have a special team. Did, was the word red in there or something? That red worked? team, blue team, or plan B team. Or the yeah. yes. Plan B. I wonder, you know, I'll have to ask Jack if that's kind of where he got his plan B language for what he came up with. But I loved how Kirby said what we need in all this, what public health needs is a group of people who will look critically at everything they're doing and pick it apart and yes. challenge it. Absolutely. And that's absolutely what's lacking. We have mm -hmm. no checks and balances. Somebody at the top says boo, and everybody else is so intimidated that if they don't jump and ask how high and play along, you know, they're gonna get fired and they might get fired. And until enough, enough people stand up and then they can't fire everybody. They can't fire the world no. or we just create our own world or something. But, you know, it, yes. yeah. 
And so the important thing is this is a tradition that's been around for millennia, which is in, in, the, uh, in the Jewish tradition, it is the 10th man, which is basically if you have nine people saying, I'll go along with this, it is the duty of the last person to say, I can't go along with this, even if they want to. They have to say, okay, I really, if everyone's agreeing with this, I have to find the hole in this. And the whole point of this is that in scenario planning, and this is something that's, you know, in, in corporations, and it actually came out through psychological research, but was actually actively recruited into the military because they knew that, okay, echo chambers occur. People want to be part of a, of a tribe, of a consensus. We need to have people that are willing to say, you know, let's pretend that this might not be the best course. Let's mm -hmm. start drilling down and making holes. And this is something that's been discovered over and over. Karl Popper, as uh, James uh, Jack said earlier on, really was quintessential and philosophical as well as logically uh, reinforcing something that's important in keeping our civilization alive, which mm -hmm. is you have to have a dissenter saying, let's poke some holes in this because there are some things that are just not being looked at because we are creatures of consensus and bias. Yeah. We need to have something and someone say, stop, mm -hmm. look, listen, and learn. Oh, I love that. Stop, yeah. look, listen, and learn. And I feel like what's happening, and I don't feel like it. I see that what is happening now is that that good part of humanity, that part that wants to belong, that wants to be a good neighbor, that wants to help their fellow man, that is so being hijacked all the emotions are being hijacked and yes. that 10th man or you know woman that is standing up because they legitimately um see that questions must be asked that there are problems they're being attacked and Absolutely. that the attack is being fuel is being um added to that to make sure it happens because there you have the silence but we will not be silent <laughs> and you cannot be silent it, it is always yeah. the, the that small minority that that you know uh, uh you know I, I i know that a lot of people might resent this but uh jim garrison the person that investigated the uh jfk assassination the, the mm. district attorney from louisiana he quoted this term you know, if you're armed with the truth, that constitutes a majority, basically mm -hmm. saying that it, it might be unpopular. People might not want to hear it. People might not want to see it. People might not want to acknowledge that there is something fundamentally wrong or true or contrary to the authoritative uh, mm -hmm. narrative. Mm -hmm. But it is the duty of a person to go up for to go forth and say, this is what I've seen. This is what I interpret. Mm -hmm. And then truth will shine through millennia, you know, millennia might go through with people believing something that isn't true, but mm -hmm. it will always live and be seen by the mm -hmm. recipients in the future, mm -hmm. short or long, mm -hmm. that they will say, you know, that is correct. And that is our responsibility as the people that are actually standing in, in, in your case, I, I have to say, Kudos to you for being there, being the mama, mama bear, <laughs> protecting your child. Yeah, you can't do anything else, right? You can't do anything else. It is something that is called to you at a time. And as someone who, who was raised as a, as a materialist, as someone who, 
you know, was a, a, an absolute atheist and I was coming forth and, and seeing a, a larger world because I had to break through to it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm seeing the importance of that. It is so critical to society and to a world to say, you know, it, we have a certain view, but we need to look wider. And yeah. materialism is only one small part of a larger whole and humanity is too big to, to, to corral into one materialist point of view. And to that, mm-hmm. I have to say, thank you for being there. Thank you for You're fighting. Welcome. And thank yeah. you for, for being a standard bearer of truth and hope and accountability. And that's the well, important part. Thank you. And thank you for, you know, joining me on the bridge. <laughs> a little late in the game, but you know, you know, better late than never. Yeah, no, it, you know, we all are on our own life journey and, you know, I, I, I try not to judge, you know, I go back to who I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, life is just a journey. We need to stay open to um, having a lot of grace for others. And I think one of the most important things that, that people need to do is give themselves grace and forgiveness. And I, I think what can it's cognitive dissonance, different, you know, people can have a difficult time even when they begin to see that something's wrong, accepting it because they feel as if maybe all of what they did before was wrong or they wasted their life or they made so many mistakes or they caused harm. You have to give yourself grace and forgiveness. Life is a journey. And if, you know, if you're earnestly making decisions, you later find out you were wrong and you did something harmful, you can't wallow in that. You learn the lesson, you forgive yourself, you help educate others to prevent that, right? That is where we need to be moving forward. I've had people walk away from me over the past years, especially the past two years, because they cannot, you know, they do not agree with me and they are angry at what the things I'm saying. I've never walked away from anybody, but I've had people walk away from me. But you know what? If anybody, if those people are listening, you know, um, I welcome you back with open arms. Um, and no, I told you so. It's, it's I understand how difficult this can be if you're new to it. I Absolutely. entered COVID eyes wide open. You know, my wake up moment came, my wake up moment of distrust for um, government (laughs) and, and it's really, you know, another way to look at it, you know, sort of in a materialistic way, I don't mind discussing Mm -hmm. things a little bit, there we go, in a materialistic way at times. Um, Okay, I'm going to scroll just again is everything, including thought is vibration material matters or vibration if you look closely enough and if we look closely enough at everything and we try to think where did it all begin with we end up with nothing and then vibration and then the vibration becomes visible and touchable and it's a miracle whatever your language it's really language it's how you perceive things and I'm a concrete girl really but I find that that marriage of of science and spirituality, very exciting. And if you do not, though, acknowledge that vibrational, energetic level of existence, you're missing out on so much. So much. So much. 
Um, I, I had another point there about materialism, but I completely <laughs> forgot what it was. It'll come about, to you. Yeah, it'll yeah. come to you. It'll come. Well, probably next show will bring. Oh, you there you go. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that you know, the journey as someone who was trained in materialism and having to rediscover a spiritual side, or at least the possibility of a spiritual side, uh, and how intertwined we all are with each other, mm -hmm. and also rediscovering the importance of of, uh, of a Republican or of a Republic and the, the association of being a responsible citizen in the world and how each and every one of us that stand up even in the midst of all this, uh, I can only say propaganda misinformation and people willing to stand up and say, no, I count, my view in this world counts and I believe that this is the correct path, even though 90% might be, nah, this is the right path. It is still your duty, your responsibility, and also your, your, your uh, spiritual path to follow it. Mm -hmm. And in, in time, it will turn. It's not going to be easy. The path is not, not straight or narrow. Well, it actually, it's straight. It's not straight, but it's definitely narrow. And you have to stay true to what you believe and what you see and what you know. Mm -hmm. And in time, it will resonate with other people because in time they will realize, ah, yes. Yeah. It's like Jack said, I don't remember if it was in the recorded conversation or the conversation we had after, yes. but he sleeps really well at night because he, he feels, he knows he's doing right. He's listening to his heart, his conscience, the, the data, all of that. And I, you know, a lot of people tell me that I have duck oil, you know, and I think personality wise, I probably do you in do. that yes. I, I'm able to kind of step back and see the big picture. And mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, it's not that I don't feel, but I feel, I, I just have this big picture way of yes. engaging and experiencing life. But I also earnestly, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that I'm perfect, but I do try to, to listen to that gut instinct. Anytime I don't, I, I always like, I knew better than that. Yes. You know, and I got, you know, one of my early lessons for listening to that gut instinct was it's really, it's a, was a bizarre thing. I was, it was like 18, 19 years old driving home from work. I was working in a grocery store. It was dark out. I was at a four-way stop, just a block from my parents' house where I was living. Yes. And for some reason, I just stopped and sat there and didn't go forward. And at that moment, a car went zooming through the intersection without stopping. And that was my gut, you know, listening to it. And I hear the music coming. And so Eric's telling us it's time to go. So <laughs> Javier, another great two hours with you. Everybody, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Take the time to live an informed life. This is an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back next week. Everyone have a great weekend. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, 
inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.